0: Jesus is the name that we honor and recognize, and we also know that Jesus is the name that changes everything in our hearts and our lives. So again, thank you for being a part of honoring God and worshiping Him. So today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Um, In St. Louis, we probably have way more Kansas City fans than we would the other guy, right, the other guy. Um, So this is my favorite picture through all of this stuff here. So uh, Tom Brady, age 24, in 2002, Patrick Mahomes, age 6, right? So we're glad he grew up a little bit, and so it should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, watching that game today. But I want to begin with some, a series of questions to kind of test where you happen to be, your knowledge, your understanding, all right? And they're not difficult, um, but I want you to really think through these questions, all right? Everybody ready? So here's question number one. Would you rather own a horse the size of a cat or a cat the size of a mouse. See, trying to get you to think there, right? Okay, here's question number two. Why is it called shipping if it goes by a truck, and why is it called cargo when it goes by a ship? All right, here's another one. If roses are red, then why are violets blue? Or how about this one, why do round pizzas come in square boxes? Why do do they do that? So here's another one, why do they say giving my two cents when it's only a penny for your thoughts? (laughs) See, dumb questions. Here we go, why do you say after dark when it's really after light? And here's the last question, can atheists get insurance policies that cover acts of God? (laughs) All right, so those are dumb questions. Some of them more confusing than they happen to be difficult. But what's the purpose of a question? You know, well, if you're a parent and your kid's throwing a fit, the purpose of the question to your kid, at least, is to get them to start thinking, so you can move them to a place where maybe you can have a conversation with them. Or the purpose of a question at work, you know, is to try to get some direction or to even give some direction, right? But there are some questions that have as its goal and its purpose. Um, to make us reflect upon ourselves, to do some evaluating for ourselves. And that's the very kind of question that Jesus asked today in the passage that we're looking at in the Gospel of Luke. So we're in this series simply entitled, Who is this Jesus? And Uh, This series is kicking off our whole year in which we're spending this year with the goal of getting to know Jesus better, and we're doing that by spending the entire year in the Gospel of Luke. Because the more we get to know Jesus, um, the more we grow in our faith and our trust in Him and what He's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And so this series, who is this Jesus, is looking at some of the stories of um, people being amazed at Jesus, being astonished at the things he taught or the things that he said. It, it's stories about the reaction and response of people. In fact, some of them, even like in our story today, literally ask the question, who is this? And the purpose of this series is to get you and I to consider as we study about Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, how are we going to respond to him? How are we going to react to Jesus Christ in the midst of this very challenging year? And so today's story is, is no different than any of the others when it's a story of amazement. They are amazed at what Jesus does. What happens is Jesus speaks a word and a whole storm is calmed. And the, his followers look at him and they look at him with amazement and somewhat fear. And they ask the question, who is this man? But before that, after Jesus calms the storm, before they ask this question, Jesus asks a question that is to cause them to think and reflect, and it's a question that's important to you and I. It is a question that simply says this, where is your faith? And so today I want to encourage you to wrestle with that. Where is your faith? Where does your faith happen to be right now in Jesus Christ and as we look at the story of a storm, um, kind of the bottom line or the key of today's message is this that faith only really develops or happens in the midst of a storm. Faith and growth only really takes place when we're going through a storm. So we're in Luke chapter eight, so I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles there. Those of you who are online, you can use the tab there, your Bible, those of you who are here. Luke chapter eight, I'm going to read verses twenty two through twenty five. We're going to see what God has to say to us today. So Luke writes these words. He says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, and they sat out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. The squall came down from the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So this is Luke's first telling of a storm that they encounter together. Now there'll be other storms that he tells about, but this is the first one that he tells about. And what's interesting is that this specific story is told also in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. So there's a great resource that you may or may not be familiar with, but it's called A Harmony of the Gospels. It is a book that takes all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and puts them into a predominantly chronological order, but then it also puts the stories that are the same side by side so that you can read them and compare them. And so it gives you some good insight. What one may include, another may leave out. And so we have Luke's account, but Matthew and Mark also tell about this story. So Luke begins it by saying, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat, they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Now, The first thing I notice is that it was Jesus who gave them directions to say, okay, let's get in the boat, let's go over to the other side. Now, one of the things we learn as we study through the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus is God in the flesh. So he's God, meaning he knows about the past, he knows about the present, but he also knows about the future, which makes you a little bit curious and ask the question, well, if Jesus, if you knew a storm was coming, why did you give us directions to go right through the midst of the storm, right? I mean, why didn't you at least warn us and say, hey, just pay attention, COVID's coming in this next year, right? Why, why didn't you, or say something like, let's, let's take the long way home, right? We'll go around so we can avoid the storm. Why does Jesus intentionally, I mean, it really seems like he intentionally allows them to go through a storm that he knows is bearing down upon them, Maybe it's because Jesus knows that some of the most important lessons that we learn spiritually are only learned as we go through this storm. Now, it says here that Jesus falls asleep and a squall comes down on the lake. Now, Luke calls it a squall. Matthew calls it a great storm. Um, Basically what it is is it, it is just this horrible storm that's occurring that these guys are in the midst of it. Now, when I was a little kid growing up, I was terrified of storms, so my bedroom was upstairs, my parents' bedroom was downstairs, and any time there was a storm, I would always come from my bedroom downstairs to my parents' bedroom. I mean, I was, I was a scaredy-cat, okay? I hated storms, I didn't like them at all. But here is um, Luke describing this as a squall, which is kind of a bizarre term. So the setting is the Sea of Galilee, so this is northern Israel. Um, The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, and there's hills kind of all around it, but specifically on the eastern side, the hills are pretty high. And so it was pretty commonly known that periodically this cool wind would come down that eastern slope, it would mix with the warm, moist humid air of the Sea of Galilee, and a storm could arise at any instant. Some of them, like this storm, that was a terrible storm. So the word squall is just basically a little word for a big wind with so much velocity that these guys were helpless there. And verse 23 says what? And they were in great danger. Now some of this group, They were seasoned sailors. They were fishermen. They were accustomed to being on the water, right? So when it says they were in great danger, they weren't exaggerating anything here because they had experienced storms just like this. They were not overreacting. I mean, Luke uses words like they were in great danger, and he uses words like the boat was swamped. He uses words like they were about to drown to describe this terrible situation that they found themselves in in the midst of this storm. I I know that for most of us, we find ourselves in the midst of a storm just like this. This would describe us in which we're going through something right now in our lives in which we feel um, like we're being overwhelmed by things. I mean, this whole last year with COVID has just been insane for most people. I mean, the, the literal, you know, Worldwide changes that have taken place. I mean, just all of us sitting in here with masks on, right? I mean, so many different things—the turmoil and the chaos that has occurred, you know, in our world, and in our nation, in our city, even even in our church. And some of you, as a result of that, have been so separated from people that you know and love. And for some of you, some in this church, some have lost parents, right? Some have lost brothers or sisters. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have had to really cut back on things. I mean, there's been so much chaos that has occurred in our lives over this year on top of other things. Some of you have faced cancer that has come to you. Some of you face marital strife and issues. Others of you have faced uncertainty in regard to what's happening with your kids. And some of you have had to learn what it's like to be a teacher, right? And you never wanted to learn how to be a teacher. I mean, there's so much stuff that's going on. And not all of it horrible, but when you start piling one thing upon another, it's just like, it's been just such a difficult year for most people. That's the kind of storm that we're talking about that almost can overwhelm us. It's like storms have this way of threatening everything that's most dear in our lives. They have this way of coming up suddenly and unexpectedly, and they threaten our security or they threaten our health or they threaten our children. I mean, we literally at times feel just like these disciples when we are like, we're about to drown here. We are being overwhelmed by this. David wrote about this feeling in Psalm 69. David writes, "'Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me.'" And and that just describes for most of us how we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face right now. And in the midst of this terrible storm, what is Jesus doing? What's he doing in the midst of the storm? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. I don't even know how that's possible. Do we have any deep sleepers out there? Any of you just can sleep almost through anything at all? Any of us, uh, as long as it's not the sermon, or at least if you're sleeping during the sermon, don't snore. That's embarrassing, right? I mean, this—he is sleeping. I, I look at this story and think I don't even understand how it's possible that Jesus happens to be sleeping in the midst of this. And so what did the disciples do? Verse 24 says, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And you got to wonder, how long did it take them to realize that Jesus isn't helping out here, right? Everybody else is bailing water. We're doing everything possible. And how long do you think it took them to realize Jesus isn't helping? Where's Jesus? What's the deal? Where, where is this guy? Where, where is he at? I think when they cried out to Jesus, Master, we're going to drown, I think there was this shrillness to their voice. I think it was like, Don't you care that we're about to die here, Jesus? Don't you care that we're going through this difficult thing? You're sleeping. What's the deal with that? Don't you understand the trauma of what we're going through here? This ship is going down. And so they cry out to Jesus. What happened? The rest of verse 24, Jesus gets up. Rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. I mean, that must have been surreal. I don't know if you've ever been like in a tornado or a hurricane or just a horrible storm that it's almost so loud you can't hear anything. You know, it's just, it's just so crazy and chaotic to go from that to just calmness in an instant. That would, that would freak me out a little bit. That would just be a little bit crazy there. I can't even imagine that. And no matter what else you might catch in the story, I really want you to catch the fact that these guys cried out to Jesus. Now, we may look at it and say, you know, they were panicked and maybe they waited too long or they didn't recognize it or they were so overcome and it was almost like the last ditch effort that they cried out. I think the most important thing in this story is to recognize that they cried out to Jesus. And that's what we need to do in the midst of whatever it is we're facing. They cried out to him. But what I love about this is Jesus didn't, when they woke him up, Jesus didn't suddenly just come to his feet with a gasp and say, why didn't you wake me up sooner? I could have done something about this sooner. That's not how Jesus woke up. They woke Jesus up. He stood up and he voice to command to the waves and the winds, and I think at the same time, he was also kind of saying that to the disciples, and it went from utter chaos to just total calm, all at a spoken word from Jesus, who was not panicking, who was just speaking calmness into the storm, but he was also speaking calmness into their hearts and their lives. And so I want to spend... uh uh, the rest of our time predominantly on the question that jesus asked those disciples we're going to talk about both of those questions but i want to spend some time on those two questions and the first question is what where is your faith that's what jesus asked these guys where is your faith now there's something inside me that wants to say What's the deal with this question, Jesus? Don't you understand the kind of circumstance that they were in? These guys were about to die. Of course they're going to panic. Of course they're going to go crazy. And what were you doing? You're sleeping in the bottom of the boat. If they hadn't woken you up, what would have happened to you and all of them? You wouldn't have been able to continue in your ministry because you would be dead. Where is your faith? And then the other question is the one they asked back to Jesus, or they asked themselves really, and they ask themselves, who is this. He commands even the wind and the waves. What did did the disciples mean, who is this? I mean, they'd already spent some time with Jesus. Were they, you know, shocked at what Jesus did? I mean, why else would they have woken Jesus up? Maybe they just wanted to wake Jesus up so he could, you know, commiserate with the terrible situation. Who is this? And so I want to use this first question, where is your faith, to help us do some reflecting. So question number one today is this, where is your faith? And I have to tell you, just honestly, over the last uh, four to five weeks I've been looking at this, this question has really haunted me. Where is your faith, Doug? That's kind of the way, think thinking, where is your faith? Because I'm way too much like the disciples. When things are difficult or overwhelming or as has been over the last year, there's been some times where I feel a little bit like the disciples. I'm I'm like a little bit in panic mode. I'm like, what is happening here? And I also think, where's your faith? It doesn't really feel very compassionate for Jesus to ask that particular question right there. What What do you mean, Jesus? Where's your faith? Is that like an accusation? Or is that a criticism over these guys? Is he so callous as to dismiss all that they're going through that they're about to lose their their lives here, you know? Is he so unconcerned with the misfortune that we face that he would ask this question? Now, for the disciples, this was a very important question for Jesus to ask because Jesus knows he's not always going to be with them, right? There's coming a time pretty soon in which Jesus is going to be going up to heaven, and these guys are going to face all kinds of things far worse than this storm on the sea. They're going to be attacked, they're going to be beaten, they're going to be imprisoned, and most of them are going to lose their life for the sake of Jesus they'll need something that will help them to get through the storm. And so Jesus asked this question at this point, where he's still with them, to help them think and reflect and to consider, okay, where is my faith and trust in Jesus? And so he asked them that question, but he also asked every one of us that question, where where is your faith? Because there's nothing like a terrible storm to reveal the state of our faith. It's like storms have this way of stripping away everything else and revealing what we do a pretty good job of hiding underneath the surface. So, over the last year, what have you been discovering about your faith and your walk? What have I been discovering about my faith and walk with Jesus Christ? And I know for some... The past year has been really challenging because you, you've you learned that you're very, very dependent in regard to your own faith on the relationships that you have around you in the church that they kind of keep your faith you know, shored up, I guess. And the church is so important. We've learned that over the last year, how important we are to one another. But what some have learned over the last several months is that take away the relationships and the friends that I've been able to see regularly in the church and suddenly I realize maybe my faith is not as much in Jesus as it is in other people to help me in my walk with Jesus Christ so where is your faith now I got to tell you I'm really thankful he didn't ask that question in the midst of the storm or even you know before the storm (laughs) he asked that after because in the middle of a chaos and a storm you can't really reflect very well, right? Because you're in like this fight or flight mode. It's something you have to reflect upon after the fact as you look back at what's going on. But Jesus will ask that question to all of us. Where is your faith? Because he's not really so much interested in our comfort as he is in our maturity and our growth and strengthening our faith in him. And that's really the point of faith. See, faith is not about making the waters calm. Faith is not about taking all the problems away, right? The idea of faith is recognizing and realizing who is in control and that he's the one who can give me strength or peace or calmness during the midst of the storm. It reminds us that though, right, we don't really have Jesus literally in the boat. He's really hard to see right here. Faith keeps our eyes fixed on him because we know he is real and present and always with us in our lives. Faith compels us to follow him even when we can't see where we are going. And sometimes, you think about it, we're in a place in our life and we're happy and we're content and then God wants to take us somewhere else. So what what did Jesus say to them at the beginning? Let's go over to the other side. So what's what's the other side? What's on the other side for you? Well, it's wherever God needs to take us at that particular moment. Maybe for you, the other side is learning more humility. Maybe the other side is learning to love and value your family more. Maybe uh, the other side is learning to put the needs of other people first. I don't know. But what I do know is that God is interested in all of our lives. Of taking us to another place right of helping us to take a step that we need to take in our hearts and our lives but he also knows that to get to the other side most of the time we have to go through some kind of a storm and god's ultimate goal in all of our lives isn't our comfort it is our maturity it's our commitment to him it's our growth in him and as we're learning faith really I mean, faith can grow at any time, but the time faith predominantly grows in our lives is in the midst of the storm. That's why James writes this in James 1. He says, Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And God's goal in the midst of all this stuff is to help us to grow in Him. So where is your faith at? Where is your faith? I mean, if we're honest, I think we would all say, well, it's not where I want it to be, right? I'd like my faith to grow a whole lot more. None of us are at the level of faith that we desire, but what does enough faith look like? Really, what does what enough faith in God look like? I think enough faith means at least at one point, I I go to Jesus in the midst of the storm. I mean, that's what happened with the disciples here, right? At at some point, and again, we we don't know, Luke doesn't share with this, but at some point they're, you know, they're relying on their own experience. You know, some of them are sailors, so they kind of know how to handle, they're relying on their own expertise, but at some point. You know, they realize this is, this is a situation that's over my head. And then they begin searching for Jesus, right? But at some point they realize, I just simply can't handle this. And so they turn to Jesus. I think, I think a piece of faith that's an important piece is that we do turn to Jesus in the midst of our storms. But what does it say about our faith if we don't go to Jesus in the midst of the storm? I mean, that's where some who are listening, some here, that's where some of us are. When we're in the midst of a storm, that's the last thing we think of is, is Jesus, right? What does it say about our faith if we go to Jesus only in the storms and we never go to Jesus at any other time in our hearts and our lives? Again, that may represent some who are listening today. See, I think a growing faith doesn't mean we don't panic. Okay, maybe at some point down the road, but I think a growing faith moves from I don't ever come to Jesus at any time to I come to Jesus when I'm in the midst of a storm to a place where I come to Jesus at all the time. I come to Jesus to get to know him and to spend time with him regularly in his word and with his people. So again, the question we keep coming back to is where is our faith? Where, where is it? You know, when the disciples went to Jesus, I think they went with a sense of panic, right? Don't you care if we drown? We're drowning here. Like, somehow Jesus was sleeping on the job, which I guess literally Jesus was sleeping on the job there, right? But it was, it was almost like, in their minds, they had to get Jesus' attention because Jesus was asleep, I think this kind of represents the way some of us see prayer, that somehow we see prayer, which is the, just at the base, it's calling out to God, right? But somehow we see prayer as somehow or another, I got to do enough here so that I can get God's attention so that he can pay, atten- pay attention to me and see that I'm in the midst of a very difficult storm. And so we treat prayer a little bit like those petitions. If I can get enough signatures on the petition, right, then I can get that to God and God will pay attention to it. So if I can get enough people praying about something, then maybe God will finally wake up and pay attention to what it is that I happen to be doing. You know, that somehow or another, God's not really paying attention or aware of what's happening in my life, so I've got to wake God up. And so I think a step towards greater faith is a step from, Moving away from thinking prayer is i got to get God's attention because he's asleep in the boat to to the fact that God is always aware. He's always attentive in my life. He's always available for me to talk to. And I think we need to stop thinking we have to get God's attention and be aware of his constant attentiveness. So again, where is your faith? Now the second question is who is this? And this is an important question, right? Because they said, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water. Well, that's our next series. Starting next week, we're going to take a look at, through again, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at the question, well, who is this? In other words, why should I listen to Jesus? What makes him so significant and so important? And it really takes us back to the prayer that we've been praying And and kind of the goal of this whole year, which is Ephesians 117, where Paul prays this, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why is that? So that you may know him better. But this just begins a whole huge passage from Ephesians 1, where Paul goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and is an incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. See, he is the one who has the power to do anything in our hearts and our lives, to help us through any kind of storm that we face. So where where is our faith? Jesus asked the disciples that. He asked us that question. Where does it happen to be? We learn that growth really only happens in the storm. So uh, for those of you who are a part of um, Wildwood, um, some of you got the chance to meet my dad, my father. um, He moved in with us in July. He and my mom, in the 13 years we've been here, they've been here several times. But to know my dad was to know a man of deep, abiding, extremely calm faith. I never, as a kid growing up, through all the things that my dad had been through, I never remember him ever panicking in any kind of situation that required some measure of faith. And the reason, I think, is because through the years, dad learned that, you know, Jesus was aware and present even in the midst of storms. And my dad had many storms in his life. He was 23 years of age when his first wife of less than two years was killed in an automobile accident. Think about how that would rock your faith. He was a minister for over 60 years, and um, you know, ministry's hard. It's heartbreaking in the things that your church family faces, and he went through so much of that. He and his brothers, as they preached and proclaimed the message of God, and then the last 15 years of my mom's life, they were married over 60 years. She had Parkinson's you know which was so hard on her it was hard on dad and especially those last 3 or 4 years of her life as he loved her and cared for her he you know he just was just calm and loving and patient in the midst of that and then on December 10th just a few weeks ago my older sister Michelle and myself and dad sat in the doctor's office as we got this news that my dad had stage 4 lung cancer never smoked a day in his life and I remember sitting there and seeing Dr. Huck look at the PET scan and just kind of shaking his head because there was cancer all over dad and I remember dad I mean that that news bothered him but he was more concerned with my little sister because December 10th was her birthday you know and he was concerned he was really concerned for my older sister Michelle and myself you know I mean the cancer diagnosis bothered him and we talked about that but he wasn't panicked you know it was it was it was astonishing to see the calmness of his faith in the midst of that because he knew he didn't have to somehow wake god up to get him to pay attention to what it was he was facing in our life he lived a life through the storms and the struggles knowing that god was aware and available and my dad's faith was firmly in him and that's the kind of faith i want to have you know I am not there by a long shot. i got way too much panic stuff that happens in me at times in my life. But it's learning and recognizing and accepting that the greatest growth in our life happens in the midst of the storms. You know what? I pray for a faith (laughs) that reaches the place where I can be the one asleep in the boat in the middle of the storm. I'm a long way from that. Not sure that will ever happen. But until then, I am so thankful that my faith is anchored in Jesus. And my prayer is that that is true for every single one of us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song together. Um, Just ask you to stay where you're seated, where you're at. And I, I want to encourage you that if you have never, ever taken that step of putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ... Those of you who are present here, when we're done, I I, I want to encourage you to come and talk to me about that. Those of you who are online, please let Brandy know and we'll connect with you. We want to be able to encourage you in that step because faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that can anchor us in the storms that we face in our life. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your work. Thank you for your deep love for us. And thank you for the challenges that you put before us in in regard to our faith and our trust in you. Lord, I pray for those who are enduring such difficult storms right now, that in the midst of it, that they will always be turning to you. And I pray that as a church family, we will learn to turn to you at all times, to get to know you better and better, because we know that that's the only way that our faith can continue to grow in the midst of those storms. And so, Lord, speak into our hearts as we worship you, as we're reminded through this song of who you are in our lives. And it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen.